0: Welcome back to the 5-Minute Bible Lesson. Perhaps you saw the title, and maybe this is your first time listening... You might be a Christian, or perhaps you're not, and maybe you're just simply asking questions or even looking into what we believe in, and I'm glad you're here. Today's a great episode for both the born-again Christian to reflect on the basics of our faith, because you never really graduate from the basics. We always need to reflect on the things that drew us in from the beginning, the whole base of our faith. And if you're new and maybe, again, you're not a Christian, uh, it's a great opportunity for you to hear the basics of the message and have the ability to think and and perhaps believe today or reject this message. Whatever the case is, we're going to reflect on what the Bible says. Not what I say, but simply what the Bible says about the gospel message. So the gospel explained. Again, this is a basic overview of the gospel. There might be some verses and details uh, left out in the more in-depth version. But we're going to try to keep things short and easy to understand. And of course, absolutely truthful and accurate. You see, the gospel starts with God's provision. The first provision, of course, the most important provision, the blood of Christ. As we see in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is referring to Jesus Christ's uh, death on the crucifixion, the cross. We see in First Peter chapter one verses eighteen through nineteen, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the per- a precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. This is referring to Jesus Christ being the perfect one and for all, one final sacrifice for mankind. We also see in Hebrews chapter nine, verses thirteen to fourteen. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the uh, excuse me sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You see, the blood of Christ is the essential piece of the gospel. This is all good news. So far, it's been nothing but good news and what God has done for us, right? It hasn't been about you being better or me yelling commands at you, which again, we will get to that part where I talk about the repentance of sins. There will absolutely be commands and there will be the firm truth of needing to repent and turn away from your sins, and there is a response you need to the gospel. But just before you get panicked or uh, uncomfortable with that part and shut off this message completely, let's again continue to reflect on what God has done for us. The gospel is nothing without God's providence, and again, that's what we're focusing on to begin this message. The second providence, or the second uh, reference to the providence of Jesus Christ's blood is, Jesus shed his blood for all, everybody, we see in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, "...but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by grace, excuse me, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone." We also see in Romans chapter 6, verses 10 through 11, For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Again, this is where repentance from sin Uh, is talked about a lot of people will say repentance from sin is unnecessary I absolutely disagree with that there is an essential piece of the gospel that we have to take charge and we have to do which we will get to later we're going to continue on God's providence, and lastly number three the message given that is the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ God has given that to us the word of God we read a short uh, message or perhaps a short summary of the message here in the book of Titus chapter 2, verses 11-14. through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people For his own possession, who are zealous for good works. A lot of people uh, will also say that the kingdom of God has yet to come, but the thing is, when Jesus proclaimed the gospel, he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. You see, the kingdom of God is the church, the church is the community of those who have been saved. The gospel is about being redeemed from your sins. And being added to the kingdom of God, which then when the Lord returns on judgment day, he will present his kingdom, you and I, the born again saved Christians, he will present us to God as his holy kingdom. We see now in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So here we have the gospel message, which then brings us to this point. Salvation is a gift, as we've often seen so far in the words, Jesus shed his blood for us, he shed it for all. Here is this good news message we are to respond to. Now we're going to look at how to respond to that good news. We see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. A lot of people will stop there, and that's it. That's how you receive it. But you see, there's more to it than that. For example, if you'll indulge me in an analogy, on Christmas morning, if you celebrate, where are the presents found? The Christmas presents. They're found at the tree. How do you receive the presents? Well, you have to go to the tree, and you have to participate in the procedure, that is, unwrapping the gifts, opening the gift, and saying thank you. That is, hopefully, you say thank you for your gift. Likewise, where's salvation? Well, it's at the tree, that is, the cross Jesus was crucified on. And what do we have to do to receive the gift of salvation? Well, we need to go to the tree, and perform and live in the um, proper uh, procedure in order to receive that gift. Again, Christmas, you go to the tree, you unwrap the gifts, you say thank you. Likewise, when uh, we receive the gift of salvation, we need to go through the procedure to receive those gifts. So the question now is, well, how do I receive this gift? You must respond and receive the gift. A response is necessary, that is, to receive the gift. What is the procedure in order to receive it? Well, there's a six-step process. Now, don't panic. It's not like you got to do this, 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 and this to be saved. This six-step process is overall the same one thing you have to do, that is, receive the gift. I just have it broke down in a six-step process so we can dive in depth into it to really understand This opening of the presence that is the procedure of receiving the gift. You see, step one, if you even want to dare call it a step, is you need to hear the message that is the gospel, which we've talked about so far. You've heard the message. Jesus has shed his blood for all for the remission of sins. That good news is offered to you if you uh, believe it and you can be added to his kingdom today. That is the body of... That is the church of those that are saved, the community of Jesus Christ's saved people. And we're going to tell you how to do that today. But you need to hear that message. We see in Mark 16, verse 15, and he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's why you see and hear guys like me online proclaiming this good news. It's not because we're trying to be annoying, we're simply doing what the Lord said and giving you this opportunity to hear the good news and make a decision for yourself. We also see why that's important in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. If you want to have faith, saving faith, that is, you need to hear the word of God. There is no salvation aside from the word of God. That is the Bible. The second step is you need to believe the message. So yes, you need to hear the message we've talked about, but you also need to believe the message, that is, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the shedding of his blood, that he was crucified, buried, and rose again on the third day. We see in Mark sixteen sixteen, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Why? Well, there's no excuse for anybody to suffer eternal hell for their sins because Jesus has already paid the debt. You need to believe that message to receive that gift. But if you don't believe, then yeah, you're going to be condemned because you've rejected a free gift. There's no excuse for you to suffer, but if you choose to suffer, then so be it. God will make that happen and allow that to happen. We also see in John 3.16, most quoted verse in the Bible, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Simple, right? Moving on, the third step in the response to salvation is you need to repent of your sins and rejection of Christ. Now, repentance means to change your mind, to have remorse over your actions, and to turn from them. To put this in an applicable strategy, let's say you're somebody that watches pornography. Why is it a sin? Because it destroys your image of women, it destroys your relationship with your spouse. If you have one, it objectifies people, it hurts people, it hurts God, and it inevitably hurts you. So God lovingly wants you to turn from that sin, Change your mind about it, decide to stop watching it, have remorse over it, understanding why it's a bad thing, and continue to live your life not watching it. If you stumble into it again, confess your sin to God, He will forgive you, and then you, again, repeat the process. We see in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And we also see now in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 38, the rejection of Christ part. These people had just crucified Christ. Peter then says to them, you know, you need to repent of your rejection of Jesus. Now this goes to all of us because all of our sins are responsible for the rejection and uh, crucifixion of Christ. Excuse me, my son is making a little bit of noise right now with headphones. Moving on. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 38. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, quote, brothers, what shall we do? Unquote. And Peter said to them, quote, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What's amazing there is if you want your sins forgiven... Where is it? Well, it's found at repentance and baptism, turning away from the very sins that put Christ on the cross and being baptized. We'll see later on that baptism is where we come in contact with the purifying blood of Jesus Christ that saves us. That's why when you're baptized, you turn from your sins, you're baptized, and then your sins are forgiven, your sins are washed. That's where we come in contact with this gift, is through repentance, faith, and baptism. And we also see in Mark chapter 2, verse 17... And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners, to repentance. Again, Jesus came to, yes, he hung out with sinners, but he didn't do it to condone their actions. He did it to call them to repentance, to save the sinners, to heal the sick. Now moving on to verse, or excuse me, the fourth step, which is confess faith in Christ. Now there's two ap- uh, applications to this. We're going to look at the first one, Romans chapter 10 verses nine through 10, "Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. A lot of people will quote this and the verse that says, "Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved." they'll quote this and they'll say, Oh, that just means you just got to say a prayer to be saved. Well, no, that would contradict all the other verses, such as believe and be baptized to be saved, or repent and be uh, baptized and be saved. It would contradict. The point is, calling upon the name of the Lord is this process of hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized. And we need to confess with our mouth in public so people know our belief in Jesus. A uh, great example of this is when you're married, you say your vows to your spouse in front of people to publicly proclaim your love for your spouse so people can hold you accountable and know that, well, this guy genuinely loves his spouse. Likewise, same principle here. So this, these verses aren't saying, oh, you just got to say a prayer and you're saved. No, it contributes to the overall salvation process. Great example. We read John 3.16. It says, if I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then I will not perish. But here it says, confess with your mouth Jesus is the Son of God and you will not perish. Does that mean I can do one or the other to be saved? No, it means I need to do both. I need to confess Jesus is my Lord. I need to believe Jesus is my Lord. And with that in mind, that means when we see a verse like Acts 2.38, it means I need to also repent of my sins to be saved. It all adds up to the overall salvation process. They're not different paths to the same outcome. It's not one or the other. It's all important to the salvation process. And with confession in mind, we also have the proclamation to proclaim the gospel to all the world, as we see in Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Here's an opportunity where we confess and proclaim with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, so the rest of the world can hear this good news. A lot of people won't proclaim the gospel, and they have the expectation of salvation at the end of their life. But that commandment's just as important as baptism and all the other parts of the faith. So we need to confess that Jesus is Lord, both in a proclamation of the gospel and, of course, to our peers. And last, uh, step five, be baptized and full of immersion of water. Now, there are a lot of verses here to read, and I left out a lot. Why did I include so many? It's because a lot of people... They will teach you all day long, oh, you need to hear the gospel. Great. You need to believe the gospel. Great. You need to repent of sins. Great. You need to confess Jesus as Lord. Great. But then when they get to baptism, they stick their heels in the ground and they say, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want to do it. But the word of God clearly says you need to be baptized. All day long, denominational worlds will quote the verse from John 14 when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. However, the denominational world likes to take that verse in regards to baptism and say, quote, my opinion is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes through the Father except through my opinion and feelings about the matter of baptism. In other words, they say, oh, I don't think baptism's essential. I think you just gotta say a prayer. In my opinion, I don't feel it's necessary. Well, your opinion does not matter. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the direction to heaven and salvation in the Lord. And if he says be baptized, you better believe you need to be baptized. If my Google Maps tells me the way to Portland, Oregon is north of where I'm at, then I need to follow my map in order to get to Portland, Oregon. The directions, the commandments, the turns, everything it says. And so likewise, Jesus says you need to be baptized in order to be saved. If you want to be saved, what are you going to do? you're going to be baptized. If you're not baptized, you are not saved, you never will be, and it ne- you need to repent and be baptized of that right now. And if you refrain from that, well, then your opinion is the way and the truth and the life in your eyes, and Jesus means absolutely nothing to you if you purposely and willfully neglect the command to be baptized. Now, moving forward to the verses in regards to baptism, we see Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism wasn't essential to salvation. Why the heck did Jesus tell me to do it to others? And we also see in Mark chapter 16, verse 16 whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. One plus one is two. Baptism plus, or excuse me, belief plus baptism equals salvation. I got a D in math, and even I can do that equation moving forward Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and Peter said to them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is God's seal over us of our confidence and salvation and we want our sins to be forgiven in order to be saved where do you receive the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit which is our seal of confidence of salvation it is where baptism you cannot have the gift of the Holy Spirit nor forgiveness of sins outside of baptism In other words, if you want to get a McChicken, where is it found? It's found at McDonald's. You're not going to get it at Burger King. You're not going to get it at KFC. You're only going to get it at the one-stop shop. That is McDonald's. Likewise, if you want salvation, where are you going to get it? In baptism. You want the forgiveness of your sins? Baptism. You want the Holy Spirit? Baptism. Salvation? Guess what? Baptism. The one-stop shop. Moving forward. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ... All day long, denominational world will say, and I quote, Oh, we are saved by Christ's righteousness. We put it on, and it's Jesus Christ's righteousness that we wear. That is absolutely true. But how do you put it on? You need to be baptized into Christ to put on Christ. Likewise, if I want to put on my suit, I need to go into my room. I need to put on my suit, thus I'm in my suit. You want to put on Christ, you need to go into the waters of baptism to put on Christ. And when you come out of the waters of baptism, you are clothed in Christ. You're not going to be allowed into heaven naked. You'll only be allowed into heaven if you wear the garment that God has graciously provided us, which is the garment of Jesus Christ's righteousness, which is thus put on in the changing room, that is the waters of baptism which gives us Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Simple as that. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Everybody all day long will say baptism doesn't save. It's not a part of the salvation process. 1 Peter, I love Peter. He tells you right Away, it's plain and simple, that baptism absolutely is a part of salvation. We're gonna quote 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21 now. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what does baptism do? It saves you. It purifies you for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What does baptism do? It now saves you. <laughs> How do you want to be saved? Or how are you saved? Baptism. Simple as that. We also see in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, so those who believed his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. When you're baptized, you're added. What exactly are you added to? Acts chapter 2, verse 48 answers, or excuse me, verse 47 answers that question. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So when you're baptized, you're added. What are you added to? Those who are being saved, which we know is the community that is the body of Christ, the church, the bride of Christ, the body of believers, the saved. You can't be saved apart from the church. If you claim you can be a Christian and not be uh, a part of the church of Christ, whether you're in a denomination or maybe you... Claim you're spiritual but not religious, and you worship at home. You are not saved, my friend. I'm sorry. Now, of course, there are instances where you have to worship at home due to health or persecution, whatever the case is. But if you're not involved in the body of Christ, and you claim that the church is unnecessary, you are missing the point. The church is the saved. It is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here, and on Judgment Day, God will pres- excuse me, Jesus will present that community, that kingdom of God, the church, to God and we will live with him for eternity. If you're not in the church, you are not saved. Simple as that. Moving on now to Acts chapter 8 verse 12. But when they believed Phil, excuse me, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. So, when you believe the good news of this kingdom that we just talked about, you must be baptized. Simple as that. We see in every single conversion that is found in the book of Acts of people being added to the church, all these new believers, the foundation of the church, every single one of them were baptized and obeyed this message that we're talking about today, to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. You can't tell me baptism was only essential in the first century, but suddenly now, in the 21st, it's not. We'll claim all day long that God is the forever, or excuse me, God is the same forever and always, past, present, future. But then, when it comes to baptism, we'll suddenly say, "Well, it's the 21st century; God's changing things up." You just say a quick prayer, you're saved. No, the path of salvation has always been the same in regards to the church, the new covenant, which brings me in regards to covenants to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's like 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Our conscience is washed with pure water. Where do we come in contact with that pure water? Well, the waters of baptism, of course. It's like John says in chapter 3 to Nicodemus that you must be born again through water in the Spirit. That's a reference to baptism. Why? Because when we're baptized, that's water, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Water and the Spirit. Excuse me, that's my son's toys in the background. Moving forward now to Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. If you want to enter heaven, the kingdom of God, you need to wash your robes. Again, reference to Baptism. And we put on a clean robe that is the righteousness of Jesus Christ we just got two more verses here. I promise we will get through this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. That's where we, again, in baptism, is where we unite with Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. If you want to be resurrected at the end of days and have eternal life, you need to be united with Jesus Christ's resurrection, that is, coming out of the waters of baptism. And last but certainly not least, in regards to baptism, we have Romans chapter six verses three through four. Do not or excuse me, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. We were buried, therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Again, a reference to John chapter three, when Jesus says, "We must be born again." So we can come out of the waters of baptism, born again, and walk in newness of life, which is bearing fruit, repentance of sin, loving God, and loving our fellow man. If you've responded to this gift the one true biblical way, there aren't many. There is one true biblical way. You may have confidence of salvation if we continue to live faithfully. We see in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Who did he write this to? One of the churches in Asia, one of the congregations. What do we know about the church? It's those that have been saved. And, that, and so if you've been added to the church through baptism, you may have confidence and full assurance of salvation. We also see, though, in James chapter 2, verse 26, For as a body apart from the Spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Many people will say, Oh, you can be a Christian through belief, but you can still live terribly, and so on. Works have no part in salvation. Well, the b- Word of God absolutely disagrees. If we are truly born again, we are to walk in newness of life. We are to have the works of salvation to show it. The works in our life to show a truly born-again, saved person to uh, show people the goodness of God that they may also come to faith in Him. Our works—that is, loving our fellow man, loving God, repenting of our sins—we claim that Jesus is our Savior. But a lot of times, we draw the line at Jesus being our Lord. We want Him to save us, but we don't want Him to be our master and tell us what to do. But Jesus says, "Nope. It's synonymous. Me being your Savior also means I'm your Lord. I bought you at the price. That means you must obey my commandments," which we also see in First John chapter two, verse four. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So if you claim that you know Jesus as your Savior but you have not believed or believed obeyed the commandment of baptism along with the other commandments we see in the New Covenant, then you're a liar. You don't know Jesus. You know a version of Jesus but you don't know the one true Jesus. We need to repent of our sins, be baptized, and obey him. If you stumble in a sin, confess your sin to the Lord, pray, repent, and he'll forgive you. A lot of people will say, oh, you just need the sinner's prayer to be saved. You just say a quick prayer, Jesus will save you, it's good. But prayer is not for everyone. Prayer was graciously given as a gift and a privilege to the Christian. You can't become a Christian with a prayer because prayer is only for the Christian. You need to be baptized in order to become a Christian. Then and only then are you given the gift and privilege of prayer, a prayer life and relationship with God. You could not have a relationship with God if you were still in your sins. It would be like you being impure walking in the Holy of Holies in the Old Covenant. You would die. Likewise, if you want a relationship with God, the standard is still the same. You need to be purified through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the waters of baptism. Then and only then can you have a relationship with God and come before Him in prayer and conversation and enjoy God. So you can't pray to be saved. You can only only pray once you're saved. And last, we have John chapter 15, verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So if you want a relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to obey Him, you need to hear His good news, believe it, repent of your sins, confess Jesus as Lord and be baptized. Then and only then are you friends with Jesus, then and only then can you access the Father through Jesus by having a relationship with God, Christ and the Holy Spirit. If you want a relationship, you want to be saved and you want to be added to the Kingdom of God, today is the day. You've heard the message, if you believe it, amazing. Now decide in your heart to turn from your sins and your rejection of God and Christ. Confess to your brethren that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Go to a church of Christ nearest to you and confess that Jesus is Lord. Be added to the church that is the body of believers through faith and baptism. And then and only then can you have full assurance of faith and salvation in Jesus Christ and a relationship with God and be added to the kingdom of God that is the body of the saved and the believers. I ask that if this message was, well, something that you, well, want to respond to, today is the day to respond to it. And I invite you to continue to listen to this podcast in order to grow in your faith and maybe hear this good news again if perhaps you're not uh, convicted in your heart today. And if you're somebody that You stuck around to the end of this message to disagree with me and reject. You absolutely have that right. Just know there are four different types of soil. There is the hard soil that's going to absolutely reject everything I say. That means Satan has a hold on your heart. You have hardened your heart and you will not respond to what I say in the appropriate fashion. And that would explain why you might be feeling angry and you might be rejecting what I say. Your heart is hard and you will never respond to the gospel as long as your heart is hard. You need to soften your heart and allow God to soften your heart to respond to the gospel. The second soil, the soil that is shallow in the rock. You may respond to this good news today with an overwhelming joyful experience, but the moment trials and tribulations happen where we're supposed to demonstrate our faith and stay faithful, you're going to flee the same. And we need to repent of that if that's you today. If you're somebody that's in the soil that's in the thorns, you want to be faithful. But the things of life choke it out of you. Your job's more important, your family's more important, your band is more important, your hobbies, whatever it is out there, you need to repent of that. God needs to be the essential in your life, or you have no life. And last, and certainly not least, the soil I hope and pray that all of us are today, and that's the good soil You've heard this message. You're convicted in your heart and overwhelmed with, well, perhaps joy or confusion or whatever. But you respond to the gospel in a way of faith. You've heard the message. You believe. You repent. You confess. And you are baptized in full immersion of water for the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. Are you that good soil today? Are you somebody that's... You've, you've heard this word. Perhaps you've got more questions. Perhaps... um. You're feeling a lot of emotions. Perhaps you feel saddened by your sins. Perhaps you feel joy because your sins have been paid for. It's common to kind of feel a lot of it or a little of everything when you hear the gospel message because you're supposed to feel cut to the heart by your sins, but you're also supposed to feel joy that your sins have been dealt with through the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Today is the day to respond to that gospel message. And by doing it biblically, not by opinions. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Not your opinion and feelings are the way, the truth, and the life. No. Jesus is the only way to the destination that is salvation in the kingdom of God. If you want to arrive at that destination safely, you need to listen to his guidance. And today is the day to do it.